This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. (laughs) Are you seeking relief from stress, anxiety, trauma, depression, illness, injury, loss, grief, or feeling like something is holding you back? Do you want to improve on what is already good in your life and take your experiences and endeavors to the next level? Whether you are up or down, shamanic energy healing can help you to find relief, comfort, growth, and progress. Valeria Telles interviews Lauren H. Carter, a fine artist, shaman, and speaker. Lauren H. Carter's work combines vivid color, line, and pattern to achieve her goal of simply creating objects of beauty. Her practices in fine art and shamanic healing are integrated, rendering her art an extension of a mindful and meditative state. This, in turn, encourages the viewer to assume a state of peaceful relaxation, internal connection, and balance. The richness of the earthly world and the connection that humanity shares with the cosmos inspire her work. Her watercolor paintings are lively with feeling and color. Her serene and spectacular landscape photography brings calm to the soul. Her line drawings track the energetic currents underpinning ordinary reality and soothe the rushing brain. Her extensive experience in the arts, education, and art materials business has encouraged her to pursue her career as a fine artist and designer in the commercial and private sectors. Lauren earned her B.S. in art education with a concentration in ceramics and minor in Spanish in 2002 and M.A. in special education in 2010. She began her study of the shamanic practices of the Caro people of Peru in 2004 in Cold Spring, New York, and has been in private practice as a shamanic energy healer since then. She loves the evolving process of creating and how it ties in so deeply with the healing and transformation of the spirit. After working in the arts since 2000 in various capacities, artist, art teacher, art program director, gallery and museum assistant, high-end art framer, art supply e-commerce Amazon buyer and business manager, and jeweler, she relies on her varied experience to guide her forward in her career as an artist and shaman. She continues to find inspiration from within and from the materials she works with, as well as from visiting museums and spending time in nature. Her love of connecting with her internal and external worlds, her family, two children, and with all the people she meets provides unending fuel for the creative fire. Meet Lauren at laurenhcarter.com and sewahealingarts.com. Here is the interview with Lauren H. Carter.
in your own words, who is Lauren Hamelin Carter? I guess say that I'm creative, vested spirit. <laughs> I've just recently had two children in short order. They're 16 months apart. And it's just funny. And my husband and I, we said, um, I, somehow we know you're out there. Just we're ready for you whenever you're ready to come to us. And so I, I kind of feel like that's how we are embodied as spirits. We just sort of come through, you know, and we're here as manifested spirits and we're here to be able to create. So myself included, um, just like everyone else. Um, yeah, I feel like a creative person, a creative being here, lucky to be manifested in this, this body and this, this mind with the soul here present in this earth. Um, I am an artist. I'm a shaman. I'm a healer. Uh, yeah. So there's many different facets as, as everybody has, um, to who I am, to what I do and all of that. So I think that's the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the short answer. <laughs> you said so many interesting things about spirit. We are the manifested spirit. We are here to create as the spirit does, creates. Would you replace the word spirit with energy? Uh, I think yes. I think, and I was thinking about this. I think about this a lot, actually, the difference between spirit and soul. So why are there two different words for spirit and soul right. and energy? Um, so that's adding another element to your question. But I believe from my experience as a shaman, I feel that the spirit and the soul are different things. I feel that the soul is an individual aspect of the spirit. So it's the drop of water that in the waves of the ocean, the drop of water that separates and flies into the air and then comes back down and hits the water back again and becomes one with the spirit, which is the ocean. So I feel that the spirit is more the ocean and the soul is the individual drop of water that comes out and then drops back in. So that's kind of how I view it, the soul, the spirit and energy, everything is energy. So that's kind of how um, everything is just a, um, a conglomeration of atoms at the end of the day. So, you know, whether it's dense or whether it's less dense and, you know, light, that's what my frame of mind is for my work and for just sort of, sort of life in general too. So there's like a, a continuum of density, which is, I kind of think what physicists often perceive in their work. So that's kind of the same operating philosophy that we have in my tradition of shamanism which really helps us to do our work in helping to clear dense energy from the energy fields of our clients. But a question for you about energy is, if everything's energy, then there's no beginning. There's no origin. No, no one really knows how energy exists or how it came to be. Is that a, a mystery or for you it's something that it's clear? Um, the beginning the beginning I of energy. Feel, yeah, I feel as you're asking the question, I'm just tracking that. And as you were talking, tracking in, in my language as a shaman, tracking means searching or finding or uh, checking. So I'm just like going through the file, you know, so yeah, I'm yes. tracking. <laughs> and it, as you asked for that, I immediately went out into the cosmos and I'm feeling the the origin point of our universe being just like super far away in a speck, but it sort of came through the what I'm actually feeling and what I'm seeing, the vision I'm being presented right now, because I'm I'm in sacred space um, as we speak, which is a shamanic language for basically the way I like to describe it is a doctor has to scrub in before they go in to do surgery. And that's what shamanic healing 
for me, I have to set up my sacred space. So I'm working right now in sacred space just as we talk. And I just have been shown immediately the cosmos sort of just going back into like a spiral shape, smaller and smaller and smaller to the tiniest little speck. But that speck having come through and like almost like the point of a very sharp, tiny little point of like a pen or something or a pencil poking through this other bubble. So like as if our universe was almost injected into the space that we're in a, in a universe from an outside place. So I don't know the, the beginning, that's what the beginning feels like in the vision I'm, I'm being presented from my guides right now. I would say that it's, yeah, maybe, you know, the shape of it looks like the, the figure eight or the infinity or just like um, a circle within a circle within a circle a spiral. That's the shape I see. So that's, yeah. Ah, that resonates. Yeah. So the infinity symbol, for some reason, I was always um, attracted to it. Mm-hmm. It always came to me. All of a sudden, I had that on my website for a while, I remember, and then around me in the room. I never mm-hmm. knew exactly why. It just it would come to me, that symbol. So infinite so that resonates. The energy is boundless, infinite, mm-hmm. no beginning, mm-hmm. no ending. It seems like you found some sort of origin, but um, the infinity symbol, it's, there's no way we can't really comprehend that. Um, right. And there's there's a point there in the center of the symbol where the, the lines cross, and that would be a portal. So if you consider, and this is... I'm sure if you know a physicist, I don't. I do actually do. My cousin is a physicist. He just graduated from college. So I'm curious. I have to talk to him about this. But um, as a portal, the where, the place where line two lines meet, actually, I've uh, experienced this very deeply in my artwork when I was doing some energy tracing. So I was doing some line work. And in my line work, I would find that as I crossed the lines with my pen, I would feel almost a portal and energy releasing so I was tracking energy out of my field, just using my drawings to do some healing um, for myself, as artists often find that that healing is very present in their artwork. And I would find that every time I crossed two lines, I felt like a sense of release, a sense of easement, and a, it just became the word portal. So when you see that, the two lines crossing, um, you can imagine they're crossing technically like, you know, above each other. They may not touch, but they could also cross um, and touch each other in three-dimensional um, reality, they could touch or not. Um, and that crossing point becomes a portal. So there is sort of like an entry point, an exit point, and that would be where it is, um, where those lines cross. And then there's the expanding and the contracting as you go across the plane um, of the the infinity symbol. How would you describe what intuition is, Lauren? That is a great question. And it's so relevant because I have been working with that very, very deeply the last few months and deeper than I, I feel that I've ever worked with that. I, I tend to find metaphors for things. And as I'm sitting here, I feel that intuition is just a um, sort of, it's like your spine being aligned Um, It's like uh, connecting a hose to a vacuum. It's like, you know, the phone connection when you hear the other person on the other line. It's just like um, the moment and the ability to connect with something um, that's the, I guess it would be the internal 
um, connection within ourselves to that greater spirit. So I guess using the metaphor of the drop of water coming out of the ocean, I guess it would be kind of when that drop of water connects back into the ocean, just that moment of like connection where it's connecting to that big ocean. That's the great spirit, as opposed to just the soul of that little drop. You know, if I'm the tiny drop, you know, I feel in my work as a, as a shaman and definitely as an artist as well, that we just, you know, we drop into that space of the great spirit of the the larger ocean. And I think intuition kind of comes in that moment of connection. And, you know, as a soul, I do feel that the more we can connect to that, the better we, we can be. I mean, that's what meditation is about. It's just connecting to that bigger part of ourself as a human being that isn't as connected to, you know, all the little minutia of life, like the dishes needing to be done or the, you know, the lawn needing to be mowed, all the little things we have to focus on that also make life interesting and good, um, but connecting to the greater, greater parts. When you talk about connecting, what it comes to me is that we're already connected and it's just a realization of that. Mm. That's mm -hmm. not really something that we can do, right, Laurie? I don't mm -hmm. think we can practice to connect because we are already connected, we are already whole. But then it feels like it's a feeling, isn't it, that we needed to connect back. So intuition, so it might be being sensitive enough to realize that everything is connected, that they are already connected. And then by doing so, that naturally happens. Now you can see the future, which there's no future anyway. So everything is happening. It's here now. Um, there's no time. We just kind of access that boundless energy, wholeness. Ah, what a paradox. <laughs> because we have we keep going back and forth, right? Like I'm separated now. It's the illusion of separation that I'm separated and it feels so real that you're there, I'm here, and and this is not wholeness. But it is. So it's real and not real in a way. Mm-hmm. 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 I think of plants and I think of how they, you know, they I have a plant on my patio outside and it's just throwing seeds all over the place and it's fabulous i'm collecting some of the seeds and they are just prolific and you you see these seeds there's two different actually plants and when you think of that and they're just operating under their you know divine dna and the conditions in which they're living or not you know the seed is technically must be living if it's going to grow into something right and that's the same thing I use to the metaphor for you know having my own children per se just saying hey I know you're out there somewhere I know that seed of life is somewhere <laughs> you know so wherever you are whatever that is because it's not animated yet you know it needs the right conditions just like the seeds outside they need the right conditions to be animated into a full plant and to have that potential. So, you know, a plant doesn't question its purpose. It just grows into that DNA. We're lucky enough to have the question and all these questions. We're lucky enough to think about it. But sometimes I think that questioning it gets you off track and you just have to listen to that intuition, listen to that connection. And when you do that, you you end up, if you listen to it, you end up in the right in the right place. Not that you can ever really be in the wrong place, but it just feels better. <laughs> to it. I love that. And I think that's what life is about is <laughs> feeling good. You know, uh, it's, it's not easy for everyone. I mean, yeah. it's just not easy for everyone to feel good. And that's yeah. just the reality of being human. So, right. 
Oh, that's a, a beautiful insight and message that it is the, um, uh, this questioning that it causes actually the disconnection, the feeling of disconnection and the suffering, most of our suffering. Yes, the suffering. Is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have the ability to kind of create our own reality. And plants and the nature, they don't. They're just naturally conditioned to do what they do and they gracefully do that. That's definitely the perfect word. Yeah. Exactly. No questions. I wonder if we can be more like nature, Lauren. Do you think mm -hmm. it's possible to merge back with life itself and just, um, yeah, flow with it without questioning so much? Um, I think it is. I found for myself that that has happened um, in my own life that I've practiced it, though. I mean, I think it takes practice and it always, you know, at any point in, in time, anything could kind of depending on who you are, anything could topple you or tip you a little bit to one side or the other. So it's definitely a practice. I think it's a lifelong practice. And I think, um, and I feel that, I mean, I, I know it, I feel like, you know, age is a gift and having age is, you know, something I wish we, you know, that the age, the youth is wasted on the young. I do feel that's, that can be very true because there's so much, I, I try to tell myself, what would my 80 year old self say? What would my, you know, you know, 90 year old self tell myself right now? And that's one of the things that has helped me a lot to um, feel more connected to myself as as the person I am in the moment. And just to also to soften my view of myself, I, I often, you know, think, well, would I say that to myself if I was a, a one year old baby? Would I say that to myself if I was a newborn, you know, to, to learn how to treat yourself more kindly? It's nice to consider yourself as a tiny baby, to consider yourself as an aging, you know, person and think, you know, I know my 80 year old self would be like, you have to go for it. You know, don't have, you know, whatever you have to do, just do it. And you got this. And my baby self would say, look at how beautiful you are. Look at how splendid, look at how radiant and perfect and look at how imperfect you're just a human being and you're the same as everybody else. You know, all babies look alike, right? So <laughs> it's like, it, it helps you to feel grounded in that sense of being part of that connected, you know, connectedness that we share as humans. This sense of separation, this feeling of separation, do you have any idea how that started? like this contracted energy was in the, at a moment in time. Do you remember that happening? Um, disconnected feeling. So let me just touch on a point from shamanic work, which is something that people I'm sure have talked about before, which is soul retrieval. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you know about that. Yeah. There are aspects, I mean, in any person's life that can just lead us to be overwhelmed to the point where we don't have the the tools, the support, the coping mechanisms, the wisdom, the knowledge, the kindness, the love, whatever it is that that our soul just can't handle it. And the soul can separate a bit from the body. And in shamanic terms, we call that a soul retrieval when we work to bring that soul back into the body. Um, so when you hear people say, I had a car accident and I've never been the same since, or ever since my grandmother died, I haven't been the same, you know, things that have an impact on people where they just can't feel joy. They can't feel like themselves. Right. They grieve, but they can't seem to get beyond the grief. Um, mm -hmm. Post-traumatic stress um, veterans who have experienced such traumatic events. Oh, I have goosebumps because I just feel for them. 
it takes my my voice away to cons- you know I I choke thinking of what they experienced yeah, right. the, the trauma and all of that in order to survive as a human being in a body right. your soul often just has to mm-hmm. bolt and mm-hmm. say I cannot handle this and then mm-hmm. you're and you know people end up with depression anxiety stress um, PTSD um, and physical disorders that follow so. I think generally, if there's a separation, um, there's a natural separation just because we are humans. We have that, the id, right? That's the I that you're talking about. We have that. that there's a natural separation just because we're human. Again, a plant doesn't have that sentient sentience, that consciousness. We have that. A plant has consciousness, but it's not a brain. It's not a human brain with a neural um, system of pathways. The same way a plant does, a plant has a, a, an incredibly sophisticated system as well, but it's just not the same as a neural system. We, I believe, you know, there is a separation just because of that. But as far as like the soul being able to separate from our, our being, I do feel um, that that originates in generally in trauma. Um, and it could be a good trauma too. Like there's sometimes when you're so happy that you feel traumatized by the fact that you can't keep that happiness, that you can't keep that joy because life isn't about good vibes only. Life is about handling every vibe that you can possibly handle because you can't always control that. So I hope that answers your question fully. Yeah, it's an insightful idea that we become separated through trauma, good or bad. Or maybe by the fact when you said that the fact that we are in a human body, that's already separation. So mm-hmm, that's right. a natural separation. Right. wonder if it doesn't have to feel separated. That's what I wonder, because we do have the ability to realize that. That mm-hmm, is just mm-hmm. a feeling. Separation is just a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's just the experience in the human body. We are here to feel. That seems like the impossible. I often say that, the impossible happening. <laughs> when you're <laughs> able to realize that, wait a minute, this is just the experience. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is real, but not real at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it, that really sounds like the impossible. But it does happen, though. I think that's, I think, yeah, the, the, the Buddha is, and Jesus, they're the ascended, the, the two that I know of that I work with generally in my work. I don't really, um, I work with so many different elements and forces of, you know, nature and natural um, elemental kind of forces in my work that uh, I don't really have time to do a lot of research on the other ascended masters, but, yeah. you know, Jesus and Buddha, they, I think that they were able to do that. But yeah, I think what you're talking about there is becoming an ascended master, really, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is awesome. <laughs> that sounds like something that's too far out. I call it the impossible and something that most of us will say, oh, no, I'm not going to even try. But the truth is, it's not a trying thing. You don't have to try. You are already the impossible. We are, all of us. But that's the thing that's really, really, really uh, challenging to drop that trying. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? And the practices. And because the body needs practices. We need to brush teeth, eat every day. There's so many rituals we have to do to keep the body healthy. So it goes for the mind, for the emotions. Of course, everything is a practice in a way, or maybe conditions. Everything's conditioned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you are a fine artist and a shaman. Talk to me about what inspired you to become a shaman. And also, how does shamanic energy healing work? So I was a... um, 
very sensitive young person, child. Um, I I could tell a thousand stories. <laughs> I was just stop by saying I was just <laughs> yeah. extremely, extremely, yeah. extremely sensitive. I didn't yeah. realize that that would become my greatest strength because I felt it was just my greatest weakness. I remember the one story that I like to tell because it it really sums everything up for me was that I have a younger brother who's four years younger than me. And we grew up in a neighborhood that was, it was settled by Finnish immigrants to New York, I guess probably in the early 1900s. A lot of Finnish people in the late 1800s, a lot of people from Finland came to New York, lived in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, et cetera. During the summers, they would move upstate to this area where I grew up, um, which is called um, East Fishkill. And they would go into this little neighborhood and it was just kind of like a summer camp. And we ended up, my parents ended up buying a house there without knowing that their grandparents, my dad's grandparents used to go there for vacation. I say all this to say uh, the shamanism in Finland has been a very, and Lapland in general, so Northern Russia, Norway, Sweden, and Finland has been um, very strong over the, the course of the centuries. So that lineage is partly within me, as well as the Irish heritage that I have has also a lot of deep ties to shamanism. The neighborhood is Finnish, and that was like the the tradition that they would do. And every summer they would do a um, um, a neighborhood group welcoming, they call it Johannes, which is the welcoming of the sun, because up there so far north, they only get, you know, the light half the year. So because of their position in the in the world. So essentially they welcome the light with a huge bonfire. They welcome the sun. And every year we would have that bonfire. And at one of these events, my brother well, must have been about six and he went into one of the parts of the creek. He slipped on and broke a bottle with his knee and he was cut and bleeding. And I felt the cut on my own leg. And I was like hobbling while I carried him over to my parents to have them help him, he had to get a bunch of stitches, but I, he was fine, but I just felt the cut on my knee. And that was the first time that I really remember feeling somebody else's physical pain. So as a shaman, I actually feel oftentimes I feel the physical pain or physical experience that a person is feeling. Um, I didn't realize that this was actually a medically described condition called mirror touch synesthesia. So it's actually a real documented medical phenomenon. And it is something, it's just like we all have empathy. It's the same kind of thing. We all have that ability. It's just that I have an extremely sensitive ability to feel that. So it started with that, I'd say. Um, And then just kind of growing up where I did around a lot of nature and being able to connect emotionally very strongly with people. I was always Um, just acutely aware of my own self as a deeper being. I think everybody probably is. Most people probably are, especially maybe when they're young. But I had such an acute awareness of my sensitivity um, and then my physical sensations. Um, It took me a long time to understand what all of this was. So I'm, you know, talking about many, many, many years. But that was kind of what sparked in my mind as a realization and an explanation for why I have this ability is just inborn. And then again, I have um, powerful dreams and I've always had very powerful dreams. And that's something that as a shaman is also one of the traits that you would experience. I mean, powerful in the sense of like predictive almost um, on September 11th, 2001, when the Twin Tower was hit, I woke up at six in the morning and I called my parents and I said, 
I was in college at the time and I called my parents and I said, please call your families and tell them to be careful today because something is going to happen. And that was three hours before the tower was hit. So I have these kind of premonitions and dreams. I have these kind of um, now I've been able to connect with people on the other side. I've been able to connect with I do a lot of um, support with mothers, with their children and also babies that have not been born. So um, a lot of women who've had miscarriages and um, other types of things that have happened like that and just helping them to cross over. Um, and so these types of experience have become more common as I have done so much more work as I've you know developed my practice. But um, at first, that was really what kind of sparked it for me is like, hey, nobody else is feeling this pain. Like I'm feeling this pain. My brother's in pain and I'm feeling it. Why is that? And so shamanic energy healing, basically, as a shaman, what we are trained to do is, like I said, track. And so we're looking for the energy of density. So in in the field of your, you know, of a human being, there is the level of the body. There's the level of your emotions, which are the pheromones, they're actual chemicals. So there, there's a tangible element to the emotions. Then there is the mind and the brain, which are the neural pathways, the synapses, which is an electrical component. And then there's the soul uh, or the spirit, which is the kind of energy field around the body. And that is what we work in as a sh- as shamans. Um, I work in the energy field and that is the area where you sense the dense energy. And you, I kind of say that the, the chakras are like the manholes. Um, so those are the access points where we go in and if we, I say, okay, like I'm a, you know, that we just had a hurricane here in New York and everybody's flooded, you know, the, all the, the people out working to restore the power, are they're looking for those manholes, trying to find where those connections are, going down underground, working to pull out any problems and, you know, any sludge, any muck, any density there. And that's exactly what we do. So we search for the deeper um, stuff going on and just pull that out. And the way that we pull that out is with a lot of breath work. And I used a lot of stones and crystals. And in our tradition, which is from Peru, we use the the term mesa, which is like an altar or table for the group of crystals and stones that we work with. So that is what we do. And then we usually, at the end of that clearing, um, we bring elemental energy in. So the energy of the sun. I had recently the energy of the clouds come through for a, a two-year-old client Um to give him strength um, after a traumatic burn um, injury. So all these different elements of nature we use to support the energetic system. And that is how we can connect. Yes. So you're asking about connection through shamanic work. That is how we connect. So the energy comes through naturally um, to us. We just have to kind of sometimes clear out all the muck before we can accept it back in. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Everything is energy. So that's what we need to do if we are also energy. So to kind of clear the path so it just flow. When you talk about the way you became a shaman, that what came to me is that the way you talk about the plant and the nature, just mm-hmm. uh, being what they are and being conditioned to do what they do. I know you, we give a lot of explanations with the rational mind for why we do what we do, but that's just you being life itself and doing what it does. And then you, a shaman, that's what we call it, but it's, um, it's just life. Thank you for being... Thank you. Yeah, for being open to listen to that, 
to that voice, if we can call it voice, being sensitive. You see, that really takes being sensitive um, in order to merge back with life. It, it was a very um, terrifying process, I have to admit. And it was anxiety ridden. and <laughs> So it's not easy, but it, it, it is the ultimate, absolutely ultimate honor. And I, I can't, it's just the level of expression I have for the, I, I could just cry at any moment thinking about how honored I feel to be called to do this work. It's just beyond, I have goosebumps all over again. I, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So such an yeah. honor. Yeah. So you're an artist too. I have seen some of your art piece and they are very inspiring. You have, um, meditative, I think you call meditations, uh, meditation. And do you integrate art with shamanism? That's something Absolutely. Uh, you do? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. So that is what I'm always trying to explain. And after a while, I said, just like you said, I'm not going to explain this anymore. It is what it is. I don't have to explain if people understand it, they will. And if they don't, that's okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's also subjective art anyway, right? So you could look at it and see a cat and someone else could see a dog. It doesn't, you know, um, but yes, I absolutely connect them very deeply. Yes. Um, especially of late, it's been even more, um, powerful in the way that I connect with my work, um, as an artist and as a shaman. So every day I start with a bit of meditating. I mean, it could be three minutes. So like I said, I have a one-year-old and a two and uh, what is he? He's almost two and a half. So they are very, very exuberant, joyous little ones that are always busy. So I, I get a, maybe 30 seconds sometimes to connect and I just say, okay, intuition, tell me what I need to see. Show me where I need to be focused today. And I just stay focused with whatever that is. I keep my intention up and for that connection. And then, you know, generally I do spend time connecting to my healing work as the day goes. What I, what I love about my work as a shaman is that I always have, I have about a thousand stones just spread out all over the place that I'm always connecting with for different things, different reasons. My mesa is there as a kind of like, um, the root It's like the tree stump that you sit on for, you know, it's like your table that you lean on for everything. And then, um, my, when I sit down to work with my art or stand up to work with my artwork, I always sit down with my mesa first and um, ask for guidance and just to connect deeply with the process of my work. And then I allow that to come through, you know, just like um, people that are in the flow. Um, what I call, what people in the arts call in the flow is what I call um, being connected with, with, you know, great spirit, I would say. Um, so it's the same energy you're connecting to, um, I'm connecting to as an artist as, as I am when I'm doing my shamanic work. Um, and from there... I kind of tend to work very abstractly because I don't, I'm okay with representation, but it's just not where I find the most joy. So for me to do abstract work is very joyous because it allows a different feeling to come through. And what I love about the meditation paintings is that the way that I feel about it is almost a, that I'm giving the paint that spirit. So connecting with the paint and then I let the water flow and the paint flow together and they just sort of take on their own spirit, which is what I love. So I have a question for you. Oh, we are, I don't have a lot of time, but, <laughs> but I have so many questions here. Another question just came is how do you respond to those around you, including family members or friends that don't understand what you do? That has been the case for a lot of people, shamans or healers. 
So, yeah, what is your message and your suggestion when this happens? Well, my brother is a Wall Street banker of like 15 or I'd say 15 years or more now. So, so we're opposite ends of that spectrum, right? I tell him what I do and he says, people pay you for that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh, it's hilarious. So what do I do? I just be myself. Um, I just trust that when I was an art teacher, I used to be an art teacher years ago. He said, you stand in, I said, I would love to see you stand in front of 25, you know, four-year-olds and, and get them to paint. And he said, uh, I'll leave that to you. You know, it's the same thing. You know, everybody has their strengths. Everybody has their gifts. And I, I believe firmly that every single person on this earth is here with just whatever gift they have. And that is just the way, just as, as plants, they're just their little own gift. And I just see it as if, you know, the pine tree is not going to look at the maple tree and say, oh, you're so hideous. Your, your talents <laughs> sure. are worthless. You're pathetic. Like, you know, I wouldn't do that if I was a tree right, to another right. tree. So I'm just not going to do that to another person. And I don't want another person to do that to me. So I just say, mm. you know, I stand tall like a tree right. and I be who I am. I have no choice. Mm. I've, I've, I've taken the stance that this is me and mm. I have no choice because when I said, you know, for many years, like, oh, well, I have to be I have to be a teacher. I have to do something, you know, more traditional or I have to, how do I make this my, my path? How do I do that? It was, like I said, it was terrifying and tremendously uh, difficult because it is not traditional. I was guided by the fact that my teacher, she said, um, the shamans and the uh, medicine people often lived in a hut far, far away from the rest of the community because they need their solitude, they need their community, but they just live a bit separate. And that's just how it is because there's only one shaman for a tribe maybe or two. It's not like you're going to have, you know, a a community needs many teachers, a community needs many people to do the, the, the more grounded human work. And a community doesn't need as many shamans because it's just the way it is. So I, I guess I just, I've accepted the fact that this is who I am. So I guess the greatest answer I could give to that is by accepting myself. And then from there, I just be myself because I have no choice. And I've just decided that I have no choice. I've made that decision. I think um, a lot of the time we forget our power to make a decision when it comes to feeling and other um, aspects of life that are less tangible. So I try to kind of think about things that way sometimes is, you know, I'm making a decision and I'm just going to stick with it because it's the right decision. <laughs> mm, yeah, it feels right, doesn't it's it? Practical, yes, exactly. Uh, I love that. I have no choice. Um, that's powerful. Because um, I was, when I, when I mm, thought I had a choice and when I was choosing otherwise, yeah. I was suffering. Right. And I was suffering a lot, and it was right. un- very uncomfortable. <laughs> no, not tell me about it. Right. No, I'm doing. I'm done with this. I'm done with this discomfort. I don't want to live this way. So right. I, I did make a choice. Yeah. It's almost like um, the feeling of making a choice, but the truth is, the choice was already made, and and you already are what you are. Right. I just had to go along at downstream. Yeah, and that's uh, one of the things that I very challenging for me to understand is that judgment. Yeah, when others who don't understand 
this uniqueness, how everything, we are nature, we are not apart from nature, so we are all unique. But then we have this collective, uh, constructed ideas that we are supposed to be doing one thing, the same thing, all of us. And then judgment sets in and then suffering, deep suffering, violence and chaos. I guess it's just part of the whole dance, isn't it, Lauren? It, yeah, it can be. I think that there, I look at, um, it's incredible. I watched the show on Netflix called um, Glow Up, and it's about these makeup artists. And whoever's out there from that show or who's worked on it or who's seen it or who's a fan, I just have to say how much it inspired me just, you know, on such a like real level, because there's a group of 10, usually very young in their early 20s, makeup artists. And I just think the internet has created this space for people to be themselves in a way that we've never been able to. And it is so thrilling. And and it just excites me to my bones, to my absolute core, to see these young people so talented, so creative, and so free to be who they are. And it just feels so beautiful to witness. And I feel like that is a good example for um, how I would like to see the rest of the world and people being, you know, accepted and doing, there's so many beautiful things we can all do and the gifts that we all have that I just would love to see everybody be able to do that at such a young age, but not everybody's able to, and that's okay. It's fine. Before I ask you my final questions, Lauren, would you like to add anything or um, do one of your guided shamanic meditation? Sure. Yes, I'd love to. So I actually just um, had this beautiful experience um, where my grandmother, who lived to be 100 years old, I'm giving this background because it was just such a beautiful experience. She lived to be 100 years old and she died on Halloween a couple of years ago. And she was just anxious for her whole life. And my struggle with anxiety had is really what led me to, to becoming a practicing shaman in my early 20s. So that is where I was just feeling this energy of like, I would like to continue to heal this because I want to continue to heal this for heal this for myself and for others. I was calling out for this just to be heard in that call to heal. And it was as if my grandmother's spirit, just in a, the shape of a white bird, she came to me and she said, I, I have, I lived my life in so much anxiety, but as much anxiety as I felt, I felt so much peace as well. The depth of our anxiety is also the depth to which we can experience peace. She said, I didn't experience it a lot. I focused on the anxiety and I kept that up and I kept that up and I didn't make the choice and, and say, I'm not going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on the peace. It struck me that the peace is the opposite of anxiety. After all these years, I've been dealing with anxiety. I healed it very deeply through shamanic work to the point of like really not experiencing much at all. Of course, I know how to handle it when it comes up, but she um, basically came through and gifted me this great depth of peace. It was a blueprint of my my own body. If you can imagine a blueprint of a house, it was a blueprint of my own body, but it was white, crystal white, um, and it just came into my body. And I felt that peace, and it was just so powerful. And so that's what I'd like to give to everybody today is that same peace. So I'm going to do that by standing and rattling for you and by glowing in a moment. So if you're um, listening, uh, it's just an honor to be here with you. calling um, on this deep peace, this deep human peace to come through for everyone who's listening. If you're willing to accept that, you can just um, whisper to yourself, take a deep breath. 
And if you're willing to accept this great peace, you can just whisper yes to yourself and I'll be giving that through right now. Pushing for you to feel that through your whole system, into your bones, into your cells. to feeling of appreciation for the ability of human beings to feel this peace. Knowing you're held. Knowing that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, that somebody on this earth is groundedly, peacefully, cosmically holding space for your healing for your peace, for your being from the depths of the earth, from the depths of the cosmos, knowing that you're held, knowing that you're held with the greatest of strength, with the generations, the ancestors, and the elements in deep, powerful protection. And you're not alone. And you're not alone. Whenever you're ready to come back to ordinary reality, take your time. Take your time. I don't want to come back. <laughs> <It's a show. laughs> oh, wow. Mm. I do Reiki sessions 
not as often as I would want, would like to, but it's very intense and the body doesn't stop <laughs> to <laughs> shake and um, it's like a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I felt a glimpse of that with you now here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a scientific explanation for that. It's, you know, yeah, we could talk about that another time. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, right. So what you're experiencing uh, is, is scientifically <laughs> accurate and normal for uh, this experience, yes. <laughs> It is interesting how I, I came to kind of accept that naturally, you know, it's it's doing the it's nature doing what it does, and it's a flow of energy that's very powerful within the body, and ah, it's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, it's a blessing. It's an honor. Yes. Oh, thank you. So, what is another word for life? What comes to mind? I just I just feel being being. Um, life is being um, it's pr- it's presence, but presence feels more limited. Um, being feels more connected. Uh, presence feels more like a stuck in time, and being feels more like it it moves through time, which is what we do. What are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body? Their inner child, the sense of themselves as who they were as a child, just um, like I said, seeing my own two two little ones, it just makes me wish I could experience how um, wondrous that beingness of the youth of yourself is. So I, I feel we can connect to that in so many ways by doing what we're here to do in general, um, but and being around people that you really enjoy, you know, being yourself, being able to view the world with a sense of wonder, because I feel like it's just such a beautiful gift to go through life with that um, sense of joy, sense of wonder and innocence in that um, in your being. So a sense of innocence in your being, three things. So maybe, yeah, innocence in your being, because that seems like what childhood is or, the, you know, should be. Obviously, that's a privileged childhood if you're able to experience that. And then I'd say the ability to suspend thought. So just, you know, I feel that thinking is where so many people get kind of caught up and the ability to suspend thought. So we're able to just take a breath and be in a moment of challenge, in a moment of despair, in a moment of fear, um, to suspend your thinking. So that the language of suspension, suspending yourself to be, so suspending yourself, the I, suspending that person who's connected to the the collective, but just allowing yourself to be suspended from that and being connected to the greater spirit. Um, so that presence of greater spirit, the ocean or the you know God or whatever people want to feel, whatever it feels right to you for the bigger the bigger part of um, spirit. And then love, love and um, peace. I, I just feel like for some reason, love and peace are so different. Um, after I had that experience that I just mentioned um, with the anxiety and the opposite of the anxiety being peace instead of maybe love or calm, that that, that word of peace came through very powerfully. Um, so I think innocence, peace, and um, suspended thought. So the ability to be, to connect, to breathe, to feel innocence, to feel peace. Yeah, that 
Very much sounds like the um, the recipe for freedom, for liberation. Mm, definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you so much again, Lauren, for being you, for the wisdom that you share that flows through you, the work you do, and this beautiful gift of being a mother of children that might realize that, that freedom that they have that's already available for them. That's incredible if that can be done. <laughs> I'm really excited about that, like having children already uh, realize freedom and be free and embody freedom. That's what it is. So thank you for being you. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, your services and future projects? Oh, yes. Yeah. So my um, I will say that I am a phone person. I love to chat. So feel free to call me. My number is out there on my website. It's um, www.saiwahealingarts.com. Saiwa, S-A-I-W-A. Again, S-A-I-W-A, healingarts.com. Um, that is my website for my shamanic energy healing work. And then my artwork can be found at www.laurenhcarter.com. And that's just L-A-U-R-E-N dot, sorry, L-A-U-R-E-N-H Carter, C-A-R-T-E-R.com. And um, yeah, feel free to reach out. I just love, I love connecting with, with people. And it's just such a wonderful, fun thing to do, to collaborate, to work together in groups, to do, you know, art and healing. You know, I do, you know, all kinds of different projects and group work um, with both of my uh, facets of my work as a healer and an artist. So it's just a, a fun thing to be able to collaborate. So please feel free to reach out. Uh -huh, yeah, I love that. Fun. It is fun. A lot of fun mm -hmm. <laughs> to work together. Thank you so much again, Lauren. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lauren H. Carter and her work, please visit laurenhcarter.com and sewahealingarts.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>